0: My name is uh, Louis Brynan, and I am a teacher at North Kent City High School in North Kent City, Missouri, and I am the head coach of our uh, FIRST Robotics team here at our school.
1: How did you become a high school teacher, and then when did robotics get added on to your high school work? Oh,
0: That's an interesting one. Um, <laughs> I was subbing for Lee Summit. Grandview and Blue Springs and that kept me bouncing around and Mm -hmm. the paycheck was pretty decent. And I found that I actually enjoyed doing what I was doing. And I started taking a couple of classes in, uh, in in basically occupational education. So I started my master's. I stopped my master's. I worked at this uh, retail company five years and uh, ran my way up some of the, um, leadership structure, went in and completed my master's, and this was in uh, uh, career and technical occupational education, CTOE okay. for short. So, uh, ultimately, what I, uh, when, when I was getting my master's, um, the October before I got my master's, this would have been in 07, uh, one of the people that was in my class happened to be working for North Kansas City School District, and he said, hey, uh, I know it's October, but there's a real good shot that there's going to be a position opening up in our in our school district come uh, March or April. Um, just pay attention to it. So I'm so oh, sure, sure, whatever. It's October, whatever. So fast forward several months, and this is this will be February, and I'm working at the store uh, doing my own thing, and all of a sudden I get a phone call on my cell phone. Uh, North Kansas City school districts calling me up and they're like, hey, we heard that uh, you're in process of getting your master's degree. Because at the time I was working full time and I was also going to school, uh, getting my master's full time. They said, hey, uh, we we heard that you're about ready to get your master's and we noticed you haven't sent in an application. Well, we've got this individual that that works for us and they dropped his name. Uh, He said you'd actually be really good fit. So if you're interested, why don't you drop an application in and we'll go from there. So I took a break from work for about 15 minutes, (laughs) filled out the application and turned it in right there at work. Um, After that, um, I got called in for a couple of interviews and uh, my third interview with them, I was driving home and literally as soon as I walked into the door, my phone started ringing. I ran up, this, which is old school, because so I had a landline phone. I ran up the stairs and uh, picked up the phone, and it was them, and they were offering me a job. So apparently, after the third interview, they really loved me. Uh, so they picked me up. And
1: Can I ask one question about this? Because I'm curious. Sure. Obviously, it had been years since you'd had these uh, really crap experiences about interviewing or jobs being short. Were you at all gun shy or did you just get better feeling about this? Or did this feel like a totally different part of your life and that like that old crap just doesn't apply?
0: I have always been pretty good at interviewing. Um, okay. I, I've always been able to read a room pretty well. Um, it, this was actually not my first time interviewing for a teaching position. Uh, the first time I interviewed for a teaching position was actually in 2003. And it was at a different school district. I'm not going to name who they were because uh, the interview was terrible. And okay. it, was, it wasn't terrible on my side. I answered right. the okay. questions to, my be- to the best of my ability. Yeah. But I literally walked away from that interview feeling like I knew absolutely nothing. And I felt like dirt. And started seriously considering, reconsidering, well, maybe is this for me? And then they called me in the beginning of June. And offered me a position, and I had already had feelers out, and I had found out that they had called four other people and asked them if they wanted the position, and they had all turned it down. And at the time, I said, look, here's the problem. Uh, If I'm going to have to work for you people, I I just can't do it. I'm sorry. That interview was a mess on your side, not on mine. And if I have to put up with that, I'm just not going to do it. So thanks for no thanks. Um, So I went on from there. And, um from after that, I didn't I, I did not apply again until I was actually almost done with my masters at that point okay. because in the state of Missouri, and this is still current, if you go under what's called a Master's of arts in teaching, you are applicable to become a teacher as you are taking classes. Um, it's definitely not the suggested way because you are, wholly unqualified to handle things but feasibly i actually could have said yes i'll take the job and it's contingent upon me finishing that master's and uh as as i'm teaching school and everything else uh looking back on things i don't think that was a good fit um i'm really glad i ended up where i am yeah because i've been able to uh, really branch out so anyway um i picked up the teaching job and um Immediately at the end of June, uh, basically the they ink was dry and everything else like that. The day after that, I went to a two-week training for uh, one of my first classes that I teach. It's uh, very highly technical. It's part of the Project Lead the Way curriculum, which is a curriculum that is specifically designed to help bolster uh, STEM, the, the STEM initiative, which is okay. uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. And uh, had a, had one more day, and then hopped on a plane and flew to Chicago for another two week training. And then, uh, literally after that, started my new teacher uh, uh, initiation week in the district. And the week after that, uh, teacher training overall. And the week after that, I was I was live. Um,
1: was this new gig? Uh, new job doing full-time teaching, did it feel way different than the substitute teaching you'd done?
0: Yes and no. In certain aspects, yes, because I was replacing someone that was a bit of a loose cannon. Uh, that would be the easiest way to describe that individual. Um, uh, to give you an example of this individual, the first staff meeting that he attended, um, he ended up getting into a verbal fight with our head principal and basically (laughs) cussed him out and said, Hey, I know what I'm doing. You don't know jack shit about anything. Sorry, it's not going to work. So my buddy basically flat out told me in October, he's like, there's a position opening. Trust me. I know this is coming. Right. So at at that point, yeah, that's, that's ultimately what happened. And, And when I walked in the state of my department was a mess. Uh, The Woods department was doing, the the Woods part of our industrial tech circle was doing great. The engineering portion was in shambles. Uh, My predecessor had literally played uh, Halo with them for well over a semester and didn't teach anything out of the curriculum. In fact, I can almost trace it down to the day when he stopped teaching from the curriculum and just decided to. Say, hey, you know what? We're just doing this now. Forget it. You guys don't need to know anything
1: else. Um, did he even try, like when you talked to if any of the kids rotated to your year, um, when they talked about it, did he even try to make any of it applicable? Like was there anything about – was he? did he actually teach anything or literally it was like a break time, just break time?
0: It okay. was break time. They had Halo tournaments and everything else <laughs> like that. And if and when administrators would come in, he would act – Angry, but there were times where administrators would walk by and he'd be playing with them and everything else like that. Okay. Uh, using the school's desktops to literally just play for uh, well ninety minutes on end. And uh, I walked in, and that was that was an interesting struggle because some of the kids that had been with this individual the year before, uh, they they jumped in and they tried to load Halo right off the bat. And I said, "What are you doing?" Well our credit your, your predecessor did this well that's that's not how we're playing things here i'm sorry we're not playing games or doing anything else we're here to do some engineering so this is what's going to happen and when i first started teaching i was teaching uh two uh architecture architecture two mechanical drafting one and two uh drafting technology which was a semester course and then industrial um uh, uh, intro to Engineering Design, which is a full year course, and Principles Engineering, which is also a full year course.
1: All this and, stuff tied right into—I mean—stuff you'd learned in your degree. So This is all right. Oh, makes yeah. perfect sense. Th-
0: this was this was all right up my alley, but it was it was a lot of preps, is what they call individual classes. And when people start mentioning, "Oh, I'm, I, I've got three preps. I don't have time with it," I'm sitting there going, "Guys." I have five and I'm a brand new teacher and my predecessor literally took all of the notes and took it with him. Um so the non project lead the way courses, which at the time I was teaching the ARC one and two, mechanical drafting, one and two and drafting tech, so five of five of the seven preps, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah.
0: Five of the seven preps had absolutely no notes whatsoever. They just hey dumped in, you need to teach it. Uh your predecessor ran off with all of the accumulated knowledge, you're on your own and go. Uh, I made it work. Um, I'm the kind of individual that uh, faced with a situation of either sink or swim. I'm going to do my best to swim. And yeah. and I did it. It was rough certain days. <laughs> they They were having me use software that I had never used before. So I told the kids, I was very honest with them. I said, look, this program is new to me. I have no experience with it. I'm not certified in this particular program, so if we make some mistakes, that's fine. I'm going to make them too. And if you find out how to make something work really cool, tell me because this is going to be a learning experience for all of us. And uh, that's how did they?
1: Do you remember how they react to that? Were they kind of like, "Oh, cool, all right, we're all on board. This will be good."
0: Exceedingly well. Um, I, I knew the. I knew the mechanical drafting. And and the mechanical engineering software, that one, I've known that one backwards and forwards for a very, very long time. But the architectural program was completely new to me. I had no idea how to do that, let alone in certain situations, uh, building and everything else like that. Believe it or not, I have very, very limited knowledge of architecture. Uh, My expertise was always in mechanical or electrical. So... I I could tell you how to wire up all sorts of good stuff, and I could I could show you how to build something uh, out of steel or aluminum. But when it comes to, uh, hey, why don't you go design a house? At that point in time, I had virtually no idea, um, other other than the one semester class I took in college, dealing with it.
1: Was it fun? Do you remember? So I can imagine you're thrown right in. You get teacher training, and then boom, you're, you're, you're boots on the ground as a brand-new teacher you have a ton of these classes that are kind of like extra, they're extra work to put together and you have nothing there. Was it fun to have to learn the stuff you didn't know that year? Or was it just another thing made you feel like you were on everything? The whole place is on fire and it was just crazy.
0: Well, see, it was crazy, but I never felt that I was completely out of, out of control. Okay. Um, it was, it was kind of a weird thing. Um, I also have a very good friend of mine that, was also a new teacher that year as well in the same district so we would bounce ideas off of each other and one of us would try one thing it didn't work if it worked great then then i would do it or he would do it and if it didn't work then neither we'd only do one and it's like okay now it's your turn (laughs) to figure something out because clearly what i tried didn't work um so we we literally did bounce ideas off of each other um my administration was very forgiving um a little bit more backstory about my master's um, as a master's degree i did not have to student teach technically my first semester teaching officially teaching right was actually my internship for my master's degree so uh, when, when people are like hey how much experience if you had teaching because they asked me within a couple of weeks i had a major disciplinary problem and i apparently handled it perfectly and I looked at the calendar. and said, "Oh, I have about three weeks' experience." They're so like, "What do you mean?" I said, "I'm a brand new teacher. This is my third <laughs> week of teaching. I didn't student teach. This right. is it." So, yeah,
1: you didn't have the apprenticeship. They just threw you right in.
0: Yeah, yeah, they they threw us in. Uh, literally, it was sink or swim. Um, and I was I was very fortunate to be where I was, and and I wasn't perfect. I'm still not perfect, but. Um, I'd like to think at this point, I have a little bit more of a, a little bit more control over what was going on uh, anyways. So uh, that was that was pretty much how I became a teacher. Uh, the first year finished up. The second year we added uh, technology student association, which is another extracurricular activity that I offer. That is uh, primarily it's called a career and technical student organization which uh, runs along the same lines of uh, FFA, Future Farmers of America, or uh, DECA, uh, FBLA, Teach, organizations like that. They're actually all CTSOs. There's only nine of them nationally. Uh, Technology Student Association is the engineering equivalent of, uh, basically, of those organizations. So I started doing that, and then... Taught that uh, extracurricularly for a couple of years, and then in 2013, um, our school district—I'll uh, give you a little bit of backstory about robotics. Uh, our school district, from 2005 to uh, May 2008, had gotten a grant through Kaufman for starting a first robotics club or okay. organization. So all three of the high schools had first robotics organizations and they were all led by coaches and everything else like that. Well, one thing led to another and no funding was in place whatsoever when this grant ran out. So after the three years, the three coaches said, well, thank you and uh, great opportunity. Let's move on. And yes. that was it for robotics. So. When I first started teaching back in 2008, uh, fall of 2008, I was actually pulled aside early on and told, "Look, they're going to try to rope you in. There should be money for it, but there isn't. Don't, don't do it. You're going to put <laughs> three hundred hours into something, and if you're doing it pro bono, forget it. You're you're out of your mind." I said, "Well, okay." So sure enough, someone came up and said, hey, do you want to be part of the robotics team? I said, mm, no, I'm a new teacher. I've got a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to have to pass on that for now. Well, 2013 rolls around, and our district, again, gets another grant through Kaufman. Um, and a buddy of mine by the name of Dennis O'Connell happens to be, a, at the time, he was a Woods teacher. Uh, in my school and we're pretty good buddies um, and pretty good friends through technology student association as well. And they tap our department. At first they asked me to do it. And I said, Nope, not doing it. And then they asked him and it wasn't much of a, we're going to ask to do this. It was more of a voluntold. Plus Dennis was getting ready to retire in about three or four years. So in the state of Missouri, They take your highest salary over the past three years, and they average it together, and that becomes the percentage that they give you for retirement.
1: So, if he could get a little, a little that little extra money, a little extra stipend, whatever they call that, a little extra funding, yeah,
0: exactly. So, any kind of funding that that he could get his hands on over those three years, he was going to do it. So. He grabs it and says, "Okay, we'll do it for our school." And the other three schools ended up getting uh, someone to jump in as well. And kickoff starts uh, early January every year, and we we started, or he started, and I to get out of our building, I had to pass through the metal shop. Okay, and that was where our robotics team was meeting, and the first week. The, the original assistant coach was someone else and they dropped a couple of bombshells on Dennis basically saying, Hey, they're going to be a night teacher for a local community college and they can't come in Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And Saturdays are going to be kind of a crapshoot too. Okay. So can you sit there going, well, I guess I'm going to have to do this solo. Okay. So as I was walking through, I start, seeing some of the kids working and I know some of these kids I have them in class and it impressed me and how I I told other people five minutes uh, on the way out turned into 15 minutes turned into an hour turned into a couple hours uh, turned into I'm calling my wife telling her hey I'm gonna be working late tonight we've got robotic stuff going on and I literally just kind of melded myself into the first robotics club. And by the time we were getting ready to do the first competition, the kids were already viewing me as the assistant coach. And I was, I was already taking the reins. Um,
1: but also and, in and, your mind, you weren't looking for the money. You just all of a sudden, like, Ooh, this is really fun. I was,
0: I was having fun. And <laughs> and yeah, in, in all actuality, the first year I actually did not get paid for anything. Okay. Um, my, my first year as an assistant coach, the stipend actually went to someone else. Right. Um, okay. And and I never fought him on it because at the time, a side story, he was actually fighting cancer at the time. So it's like, hey, you know what? He needs the money a lot more than I do. Yeah. So I, I can I can deal with this. But the first year out, um, we, we made it to the world competition. We actually won the Rookie All-Star Award, and that qualified us to... Uh, go to world, and at the time we had no idea what that meant. <laughs> um, but when we walked in, the the competition had been held that year, and and a couple years after, had been held at the Edward Jones Dome in St. Louis, which is actually where the St. Louis Rams used to play. Okay, uh, because they still had a bunch of paraphernalia all over the stadium. But we there were six hundred robotics teams in this conference center. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of information about the robots, they're not small. Uh, our robot, to give you an idea, is uh, it has to be no more than 120 inches around for per perimeter. Okay. So it could potentially be a 30 by 30 inch square. So I mean, we're, we're talking something pretty significant. And it can also be up to four feet tall and weigh about 100 to uh, between 120 to 125 pounds. So these are not small little robots like you would see in some of the competitors. These are actually about the same size robots as you would see on a show like BattleBots, which I like to compare the uh, robot sizes. The only difference between BattleBots and First Robotics, other than the fact that First Robotics doesn't generally do offensive things, like <laughs> sure. we're going to put an axe on this thing and, and, or a blowtorch, about the only difference, though, as far as the robotics configuration, is the material that they're using and the weight. Uh, Battlebots can be no more than two hundred and fifty pounds, okay. Whereas first robotics can only be one hundred and twenty-five. So right there, we actually have to change our material from something like steel or titanium to aluminum or other or polycarbonate plastic things like that. Things that are much more lightweight. Um. But are exceedingly durable under the circumstances.
1: I was going to ask if that change in material leads to if if you're if you're executing tasks in those things and some of them involve any extra, I don't know, gravity, physics, pressure, pushing, pulling. Do the materials ever cause problems? I mean, does this stuff crumble? Absolutely. Okay. Oh yes.
0: In fact, we we still have one of the launchers that we tried using one year. And we found out that we should have designed that out of steel instead of aluminum, which we can use the heavier equipment. It's just generally not feasible for a large scale environment because of the amount of weight. But uh, we had our would have been our third year in robotics. We actually qualified for world again that year as well. Our robot was designed like a tank and it was actually an eight wheel drive monster it basically looked like a tank with the exception of a turret it did not have one but we tried to put a launcher in there to launch balls Mm -hmm. which is a great thought and we had all the motors set up we had all the encoders basically to measure certain degrees Mm -hmm. and, and certain power readings and everything else like that unfortunately we we spent a ton of time working on this thing and one time, we the the one time that we figured out that we think we got all the bugs worked out and everything else like that. This is in our second regional uh, for the competition. We basically, and we were down in Oklahoma, and we were testing things. And one of the kids forgot to put the cable that connects the encoder to the main board okay. itself. Okay. So literally, when we fired this thing up, it just started launching itself so much <laughs> it never stopped. It actually ripped itself from the mounting, which had been welded, literally ripped itself from the mounting and threw the whole launching mechanism out of the practice field. So the whole team is just sitting there going, crap, now what? (laughs) (laughs) So fortunately, that that year in particular, there were a bunch of different obstacles that we had to do, and uh, one of which we had to be a very short robot to get under certain items. Yeah, we were one of the few robots that could do that, and we we just blew right on through a lot of this stuff. We could do a lot of the ground things. Uh, we had designed a, what we called a couple of tomahawks, which were a couple of polycarbonate bars, uh, plastic bars that basically came down, and it would wedge itself into certain objects that would allow us entry into certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were pneumatic powered, which was always fun. Um, another difference between first robotics and uh, um, uh, BattleBots, they can use hydraulics. We can't. We have okay. to use strictly air power. They can use uh, hydraulic fluid, everything else. We can't do that. We have to be completely
1: air. Those rules they set up, uh, the differences between you and BattleBots or you and other robotics competitions, are they safety rules or are they just ah, oh, we just decided we want you to we want you to make things this way, sort of artistically. We want our robots yes. to be like this.
0: Yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the competition changes from year to year, and we literally have no idea what next year's competition is going to be like. Oh, okay. um, we can go off of what previous years have done, sure. but uh, it, it is always a crapshoot. Um, in some cases, they use balls that may be seven inch in diameter. There might be one that's nine and a half inches in diameter. And then there's years that have a 36 inch ball, a 36 inch diameter that's ball, which nice. is huge. Yes. Um, at first year out, those, those were giant balls that we were using. Um, in some cases, it's it's about the size of a softball, and you have to shoot 20 or 30 of them, stuff like that. There's typically a shooting element. There is typically some kind of element of climbing, mm-hmm. which is always interesting, making your robot climb. Um. And, and there's always an autonomous element. Uh, typically, in the first 15 seconds of a match, the robots have to be completely autonomous, which basically means pre-programmed, pre-programmed from the get-go. They say go, and the computer just automatically moves first 15 seconds uh, a pre-programmed uh, list of commands. Okay. And some of the ones that we've seen are just, they are no short, uh, they, they are amazing. Um, being able to do certain things, read certain sensors, uh, leaps and bounds more advanced than our programmers. Uh, A lot of teams are just happy they can make their robot move in 15 seconds. So there's a
1: massive variation in robots. Oh, yes. Okay.
0: Yep. And and you'll see this last time we went to world competition, there were 454 robots there, and there are 454 different-looking robots. Everyone's was different. Everyone has their own take on things. Um, you're not going to see a cookie cutter robot just sitting there. Hey, that looks exactly like this one, which looks exactly like this one. There's there's aspects where you walk up and down the the pit row, which is just like a racing area, yeah. and uh, you see you'll see different different robots everywhere, different ideas, different takes on things. Some of them work, some of them don't work. Uh, Lord knows we we've had a few ourselves that worked or didn't work. Um, I mean, it, it it's very very interesting to see what people came up with, and this is supposed to be one hundred percent student driven as far mm-hmm. as uh, building uh, everything else like that. And our team, we pride ourselves on the ability to do that. Uh, we've heard rumors that, and these are just rumors, but some some of the teams that we encountered nationally and even in the Kansas City area, you look at it and go how on earth did a high school student or high school students come up with this? Come on.
1: I did want to ask about that because, okay, let's say, so North Kansas city. So again, uh, there are wealthy school districts in the Kansas city metro area and North Kansas city is not a wealthy school district.
0: We have money. um, But as far as a demographic goes, that is, that is correct.
1: Where does your money where, so the money that does come in. So if the, if the demographic, if you don't have a wealthy demographic if these kids do not come from money privilege, many of them, where does the, where do you get the money? I mean, you have, you mentioned, look, Kaufman pays the robotics. Where else? Are you
0: <laughs> sponsorships.
1: Okay. Lots
0: and lots of sponsorships, uh, fundraising, okay, you okay. name it. I've probably tried it. Um, <laughs> and grant writing uh, okay. typically in the off season. That's what I am doing primarily. I'm very good at writing grants. I'm very good at getting money from grants. Uh, To give you an example, uh, First Robotics has offered a uh, uh, $5,000 diversity grant. Mm -hmm. And I have been able to get that more than once, which is pretty cool. Another example, NASA offered a grant for, I believe, uh, we we could get it a maximum number of three times. And it's very rare for any team to get it more than once. We were able to get it all three times. Um, so they, NASA's has, has given us about fifteen thousand over several years. Uh, some of my other sponsors, I have to write grants every single year. Okay. Um, things like that. It's a lot of writing. It's a lot of very very labor intensive um, thinking, finding out information about your district, um, for lack of a better term, exploiting the conditions of right. Yes. Work. Situation, absolutely. I'm going to um, North Kansas City High School happens to be the most diverse high school in, in the Missouri, in, in the state of Missouri. Hands down, we actually have the the number one banner for that. Um, we are represented by I think it's like 48 or 49 different nations. Um, there's some kind of crazy number, like 64, 65 languages spoken normally. Uh, In our school, and overall, it is exceedingly diverse, Um, and it's actually that is one of our big strengths. Um, We we get kids from all over, but one of the other problems is we also have a over fifty percent free and reduced rate uh, for lunch. We also have a very high transient population, which there's nothing we can do about that. And like you said, a lot of the kids are not. Coming from affluent neighborhoods, uh, like they might be in, say, Staley Farms, which has Staley High School right down the street from there. Uh, Those folks live in million-dollar houses, whereas ours are living in apartment complexes.
1: So I I Um, wanted to know from, so your perspective, you put in a lot of extra time to get as much money as you can from the kid's perspective, when they either get to these competitions or they have to think about their own restrictions and building these robots or how much time they don't have to devote for it. So maybe they have to, who knows what their time life is like outside of school. They may have many more commitments than some kids that don't have any financial or family commitments. Do they ever get down about, holy crap, look at these other robots. Okay.
0: Yep. And I, I've pointed out and this year is a very good example yeah because um, our team was not doing so well in, in ratings this year uh, especially that for the first regional we were doing terribly but we were in, we were improving every match every match every match every match and we started getting the attention of some of the higher performing teams, the ones that were up in first place, second place, things like that. Um, and and First Robotics is an alliance-based system. Um, if you ever see the movie More Than Robots on Disney+, Plus, in fact, I, I'd suggest watching that for uh, additional information about.
1: Okay, I'm writing it this,
0: down. Yep, uh, about the whole program itself. And it actually runs through uh, four different robotics programs from around the world. Uh, Japan, Mexico, uh, LA, and I. Uh, there's another one in LA, LA as well. Um, anyway, it, it literally runs through their programs throughout a couple of years, and it leads right up to the COVID outbreak. Okay. Um, and, and it's actually pretty well done. It's actually watching it a couple times. It almost runs like a uh, recruitment video of sorts.
1: (laughs) Look how cool this stuff is. Look how great.
0: Exactly. That's, that's from a guy on the inside talking. Right. But realistically, uh, this, it, it, it takes a ton of, uh, a ton of time. It takes a lot of resources. Um, but as I was saying earlier, we weren't doing so well in ratings and I will plan strategically. And I'm very good at that, and and I actually kind of I kind of have a reputation for that around the Kansas City area, of being able to find a way, even when things look the darkest, we find a way. And what ended up happening is we were second to last in in the rankings. Uh, we were basically playing a defensive robot uh, at, at that point in time. We weren't really shooting very much. We weren't really doing anything else. Um, as far as making things work, our climber kept ripping its uh, planetary gears out, which I actually have a replica right here.
1: I'll get to look to my idiot self; it just looks like a block of what plastic and metal. I don't. Know.
0: And this is actually rubber. I 3D printed oh, it, it to okay. give an example. But this is a 15 to 1 reducer, and this end spins 15 times faster than this end does, which increases okay. the amount of torque. Anyways. We kept tearing the gears out of the inside of these things.
1: <laughs> Jeez, okay.
0: So climbers, our climber was toast, uh, and we knew it. So we actually took it off the robot. And once we did, we started playing defensively. We, we still would make a couple of shots here and there when we needed to. But primarily, we started figuring out that our robot was really good at stopping the other teams from scoring. So <laughs> having us on their team, if they were good at scoring they could score while we would come around and stop the opponents from doing it. So it would be a very relatively one-sided match. Well, uh, like I said, we were second to last in the rankings and we were picked very last on the field. We were the last ones picked to be on the first place Alliance. And it's Mm. the Alliance consists of three teams. And if you win the event, all three teams go to the world competition. Well, we won. And in doing so, we had to face off against several other teams that were definitely better than us. But uh, and I'll use Lee Summit High School as an example. Uh, I have a pretty good repertoire with them. Uh, they're they're awesome, awesome program. Uh, I strive to be like their program at some point. But we had to beat them and Sedalia paired up together, and those were two very very heavy hitters yeah. compared to us. Uh, And they were on the same alliance and we shut them down and we actually made it to the world competition, beating Lee Summit and Sedalia and and the third team. I don't remember who they are right off the top of my head, but in order to win this whole competition, we had to beat them and we did.
1: Um, It reminds me, there's, you know, you were talking, so there's that... um... The Chicago Bulls, everybody talks about certain players, especially Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman did not take shots. Dennis Rodman's job was to get the ball and give it to someone else. So his job was to get the ball. So it reminds me of, yeah, your players might be better, but our team plays better together, which I think you're saying, normally these teams have to make a robot and then maybe they'll build them. But maybe this time you had the best player at this one niche skill. And so the other robots could be great. The other robots could be really good and You could be just great at that one thing, yeah. that's yep. cool.
0: And and we that that's primarily been our strategy that every year that we've made it to the world competition, other than the first one, okay. Um, we have been able to find a niche in the game, yeah, and got really really good at it really quickly. <laughs> um, and that was that was the case here as well. Now, I bring up Lee Summit because they were actually in our division at World, mm-hmm. they ended up as the number three team in the world. And I can honestly look someone square in the eye and say, my Alliance beat them to make it the world. (laughs) So I don't feel so bad about them doing what they did because given the right circumstances, we could have been there too. So, um, and now the Alliance matches themselves are the alliances are completely random. So, you may be against one team, one match, and then the next team they're an alliance partner with you, and each alliance oh, consists of two teams. Yes, um, and FIRST Robotics is very, very big on gracious professionalism, which is something one of the founders uh, by the uh, gentleman by the name of Woody Flowers. Uh, he passed away a couple years ago, but he he lived it. He was the epitome of being nice. Yes, you're competing up, you're competing against everyone else. But at the end of the day, you guys are all robotics teams. So, let's say uh, let let's say I blow out one of these transmissions. We don't have any extra gears. In a spirit of competition, I would go to another team, or I would have students go to another team and say, "Hey, look, we just blew we we just blew out our last one. Do you have one of these sitting around to to let us borrow?" And in fact, that actually Lee Summit was one of the teams that gave us parts this last regional. And like I said, then we turned around and beat them. Um, but it, it, it's that kind of spirit where we want to beat everyone on the field. We don't want to beat everyone just because you can't find parts. Um, that, that's one of the worst feelings, uh, having a component or something else like that. And there's no way to fix it. No one has any extra parts, or at least no one's willing to give that to you. Um, and, and you're sunk at that point, or you have to come up with a different way of, of doing things on the fly, which in some cases is impossible. In other cases, it is possible. But it's it's very interesting because everyone wants to beat everyone else. But at the same time, we want to see everyone do pretty well. And uh, some, some of the teams out there, um, they do have chips on their shoulder. Others teams will give you the shirt off their back.
1: I was going to ask, because surely again, in any competitive thing, look, some of, some of the competitors lack social skills. Some of the competitors are super competitive and they can't help just being in the moment. They just react emotionally and get nasty or gloat. I mean, just some people are like that.
0: That is a monster that my team has had to fight for years and years and years. Um, Because certain kids, like you said, certain kids um, and, and even adults, Yes. very cocky they get very oh yeah we did this we did that and i'm sitting there over on the sidelines going are you kidding we lucked our way into this <laughs> we we have absolutely no room to brag as far as oh will we be you, you because their robot's better than ours but we found a niche and we're able to exploit that and that's that's how we made it and once okay cool great jobs twice Three time. Okay. This is our fourth time. This obviously is not an accident anymore. You guys, you guys are figuring out how to do this. Uh, in fact, today's head coach pulled me aside. He's like, how do you, how do you keep figuring out how to do this? (laughs) So, because I'm I'm friends with him. In fact, his birthday was yesterday, but, um, it's, it's one of those things where all the coaches talk to each other. So we, it's a pretty tight knit community once you get into it. And, uh, Yeah, that that was one of those things where they're like, yeah, your team found a way in again. And and they did too. Um, They went to a different regional and and they won that. And rightfully so, they did a great job. But it's one of those scenarios where they just look over like, how the hell did you do that again? Because, uh, and and I'll pick on Zedelia as an example, that's not the first time we've beaten them to make it to world. Uh, (laughs) the, The year that our robot threw its launcher onto the field, we beat them in competition. In fact, um, during the competition, we were playing bump and run defense and we hit them hard enough. We we figured out one that they had to line up in a very specific spot to fire off their, their balls to get into the target. We figured out pretty quickly. Well, if you either park there or just slam your robot and just bump into them just before they fire, they're going to miss every time. (laughs) And they, they go back and forth and, the robots all have bumpers on them and they're there for a reason because at the, at the end of the competitions, they are torn up and uh, they, we collided with them in one of the matches. And this was actually the final match. We hit them hard enough that it actually knocked the radio right off the robot, which kills the signal immediately. Their robot was dead. There was no rebooting it on the field. It was kaput. Um, uh, so that was that was the first time we beat them and then the second time of course was a couple months ago but it, it, the the competition they don't they don't necessarily want a lot of defensive robots out there but that's part of the game and they know it and if like i said if if you're able to do really well at it then you can excel uh, you're not going to show very highly in ratings you're right. Literally dependent upon other teams, not necessarily charity, but their ability to scout out the situation because we have scouting wings that uh, pump us full of information of the other teams. so I, I can tell who we're up against at any given time. Uh, because the the robotics teams themselves, they're not just building robots. it's It's not just that. There's a whole whole other group of things like the fundraising and, and business applications, everything else. But we were always dependent upon another team's ability to do scouting very well and realize that, yes, we're terrible in the ratings, but that's because we had bad alliances. It had nothing to do with our ability. Um, and that's that that was the case this last this last March. Um, they had actually scouted us and they saw us getting better and then they saw us remove the climbing arms, which. Originally had our robot. It was top heavy. And then once we removed the arms and started bashing around, they're like, yeah, you guys were a lock for a third pick. We we knew it. uh, We knew it half a day before the competition even ended. You guys were on our radar. And if you hadn't been picked, uh, we were going to pick you. And of course they did. Um, Our second regional, we got picked on the. uh, Was the fifth alliance. There was a little bit of drama behind that. We actually wanted to be picked on the fourth alliance, which was Staley High School. They were asking us, we're like, yeah, we want to be with you guys. Call 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 us. Unfortunately for us, the um, uh, Barstow, the uh, team 1939, uh, the Canigets, which is from Monty Python. Okay. Um, it's night spelled out when when they call them Canigets. And everything else, that's their team name. And their mascot is a bloody bunny, white bunny. Um, They picked us for the fifth seed alliance, which it was fun working for them. I got a bunny hat, which is pretty cool, but uh, it wasn't a good fit that time around. And ultimately we made it to the semifinals and got knocked out, Um, which it's not uncommon for our team to make it into the final rounds, which is also saying something there's a lot of teams out there that go years and years and years they've never made it to a world competition um and then we're over here doing our thing and everyone's like well how do you guys keep doing that and i want to be nice and i want to tell them how i do it but i don't want to necessarily tip my cards too much
1: so part of that
0: is strategy
1: Teachers have to teachers who do extracurriculars, it's almost like extra an entire extra job that gets loaded on to the regular day-to-day teaching. Oh, yeah. So I'm curious about okay, you're I I don't know, maybe they are. are. Is anybody in your family, even your extended family, also really into the robot stuff? And then what do they do during season? Like it's just like you just know dad's gonna be gone. And this is just how every robot season is.
0: there is such a thing called a robotics widow
1: okay. <laughs>
0: and, and t-shirts have been made about it. And, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's a friendly joke that goes amongst all of the wives and husbands of either wives or husbands of yeah. coaches and, or mentors and things like that. And it's literally from the time that where they unveil what's going on to the point where uh, we're in competitions, we're going to be gone for a long time. And typically from January until middle March, even late March this year, I'm at school far more than I am at home. And, yes, I I teach my normal job. I I grade everything. I do everything I need. And then I turn around at 3 o'clock. I would go to robotics, and I would work at least until 7 o'clock every night, some nights uh, to 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And then I work Saturdays. Sometimes I work Sundays with the team. Yeah, And then our spring break, uh, we, we had 48 hours in by Tuesday of that week. We worked that much. Um, so yeah, we, we literally blew our entire spring break, making sure this robot did what we wanted it to do. And fortunately it did.
1: Are the kids just, do you have every year, um, do you always have a crop of kids who are just as excited to put in all that work or sometimes do you have kids that, Okay they're all they all get pumped
0: by that point most of them are pumped they really, really it, it's the covid has been kind of a monkey wrench into a lot of things yeah the competition is really what amps up the kids okay. really it brings them together as a team because then they can see everything that they've been working on this is why we were doing it this is yeah. why Mr. Brynan was yelling and screaming at us hey you guys need to do this you need to do this you need to do this right, right, right. that's that's where they can really see okay, now I understand. This is why we had to do it this way. This is why he was telling us, don't say anything bad to any other students or anything else like that. Um, Things like that. Or don't let people borrow your tools. They'll never give them back. Things like that. But it's one of those things where there's always, at the very beginning of the year, there's a lot of, hey, I want to be on the robotics team, but the kids have no idea what that entails. Sure. Since our middle schools and our elementary schools don't have first tech challenge or first Lego league or anything remotely close, which are the equivalents of the younger groups in the first robotics program. Um, our district doesn't have any of those. So these kids, when they say, Hey, I want to be robotics. They have no idea what that entails. Right. And some of them think that just by being there, Hey, I've got this cool idea. I saw this on Iron Man." Um, Uh, let's design an up-reactor and and the kids that have built robots are sitting there going, okay, you get busy on that, we're going to be over here building a robot Um, sometimes their ambitions get in front of their abilities and that causes problems and uh, as a coach, I learned a while ago to delegate some of those um, not necessarily disciplinary, but more along the lines of someone to watch over some of these individuals. So I have several groups of kids that are my team captains. I have, uh, basically, I separated into divisions. And as far as an overall team, I typically have two captains every year. That way it guarantees that neither one of them have to be there 24-7, which gives them an ability to do their grade, do their school, in some cases, do other events. Uh, I've got one that's really good in track. She's a uh, uh, shot put in discus and loves throwing javelin. Uh, tremendous kid. has got a 4.0, um, but she's got to have time to do schoolwork. Right. So uh, she actually, I, I already announced that she's going to be one of my captains next year. But they also know what that entails, and that means that they're going to be in a lot of times. They're going to know everything there is to know about that robot inside, outside. Uh, My assistant coach and I will be telling them uh, more privileged information as far as, okay, we're going to talk to these sponsors. We're going to talk to this man that didn't work out the way we wanted to. They basically are going to be primarily the link between what we say and what the students do. And that frees us up. The, as coaches and mentors to be able to help students actually building things uh, using some of the uh, materials and using some of the heavy machinery that we have at our disposal. And because these kids, they don't know how to use, they don't know how to use a metal lathe. They don't know how to use a milling machine or a chop saw or a drill press or even even just some of the skills behind using a hand drill. Uh, These are all these are all foreign concepts to just about every one of the students, including reading a tape measure, something as simple as that. Um, So that allows us to basically with a certain amount of confidence to be able to go around and help these kids actually build stuff and not build it ourselves, but be like, okay, when you're using a lathe, here's here's the technique you're going to want to use. I just showed you with one of them. Now you have to make nine more because we need 10 of them for this robot. So being able to do that or uh, threading axles on, on something or uh, we got a brand new uh, lathe last year and some of the quick change stuff was literally a sixteenth of an inch too tall. I took it over to the milling machine, taught the kids how to mill off part of the bottom of it yeah. and sure enough, fixed the problem. It's stuff like that where I get to teach some of these advanced skills. That believe it or not, I did actually learn in college a million years ago, um, <laughs> right? And and it, it gives me the ability to get my hands dirty as well, and and keep myself involved and and know what's going on, um, which is actually something that really impressed my assistant coach. He actually worked for a different school district out in Kansas up until this this current this soon to be next school year. He's actually jumping over to our district now, but my assistant coach worked for a different school district and they had a robotics team as well. And their coach was very hands off. He would, he would sit in the corner and he would just tell, okay, kids, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. Didn't really care what was going on. As long as the kids had a working robot at the end, he, right. He was there just to be there and the mentors would help out and the coaching staff would just kind of sit and, I I would go nuts doing that. I can't just sit down and be like, yeah, okay, you guys do that. No, that's not how I lead. Um, I'm I'm one of those individuals and my assistant coaches as well that will get just as dirty, if not dirtier than everyone else. Right. (laughs) So So –
1: Oh, okay. A last question I have you, you uh, name dropped a documentary, which sounds cool. So I'm going to go look up more than robots on Disney plus. If people are interested in robotics or somebody's listening and they're like, my kid might want to get into robotics. So they might be curious. Are there books you pitch or shows you pitch or organizations you pitch and say, you should get your kid involved with this, or you should get involved with this?
0: Well, if it's in the Kansas, the general Kansas City area, there's actually a very, very large robotics community okay. in in the city of the, the Kansas City metropolitan area. Yeah. Um. Check with your school. Check with uh, either elementary or middle school or even high school.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Check and see if there are. Um. Uh, ch- check and see if there are uh, an organization. in in your school already. And if so, join it. If not, uh, check Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts organizations. There are teams uh, related to that as well. Uh, If not, uh, look up a group called Kansas City, KC STEM Alliance. Okay, And uh, they can get whoever's interested in contact with the individuals that are in control and, and are very knowledgeable of the teams in the general Kansas city area. Um, also as far as books go, yeah,
1: I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You're a lot, look, you're a lot of hands-on stuff. So. Hands-on
0: take as many shop classes as you can, like the dirty shop, even if it's just woods. I know most curriculums, most schools don't offer medals anymore, which is depressing. Ours doesn't. Um, uh, welding things like that get get involved with a lot of hands-on activities and all that kind of stuff will go a long way uh take the engineering curriculum classes if you feel like building yeah otherwise if you feel like being being on say um community outreach or fundraising committees um take a lot of english classes uh, learn how to write a uh, uh a letter a request letter for possible sponsorship, learn how to speak in public, learn how to introduce yourself or other people to individuals that could potentially uh, give you your next uh, payment or your next amount uh, or uh, the, the next sponsorship that you can possibly get um, or bone up on graphic arts um, for the past several years. i Excuse me. I've had students uh, design our T-shirts and design mm-hmm. um, our pamphlets that we give out to other teams, basically explaining who we are, what we are, and what we're about. Uh, we have a couple of non-negotiables. Uh, our team is known for their purple tie-dye, which honestly, <laughs> I told the students, I said I absolutely hate purple tie-dye.
1: <laughs> but if we're <laughs> but known for this,
0: we are. Not only are we known for this, you can pick one of us out across a baseball stadium. Easily, and it's been done. I've I've actually been at a Royals game, and one of the previous mentors looked over, saw a purple tie dye shirt, and had to investigate. He's like, I thought that's who it was. He's like, I knew it was one of us. We saw the shirt. Um, also, the logo um, is obviously it's a it's a modified school logo. I said so that's not really up for much interpretation, although it has been changed in the past. I've had kids. Oh, can we use different logo? I'm like, go to a different high school. <laughs> we right. we are we are the Hornets. Our a Hornet will be on the shirt, whether you like it or not. I'm sorry if you don't like that. Go to a different high school where they have a mascot that you like. Right. So, but uh, yeah, basically, uh, the easiest thing is bone up on on critical problem solving is a really, really good skill to have, and that's one of the things that we always tap dance around with robotics, and even with TSA, and even with my curriculum, that's what we're teaching students how to do, and and how to learn, is, is basically being able to problem solve something that doesn't necessarily have an easy answer right off the top of your head. Something that you actually have to sit down, brainstorm, and go, hmm well what are the ramifications of this idea as opposed to this one and go on so on and so forth from there
1: so that's a lot of work we can't just tell them just like you're talking about the kids that show up and want to build an arc reactor they can't just watch iron man one two and three and then be ready to just come in and be a robotics genius
0: yeah that doesn't happen <laughs> sorry it just doesn't if it does please get me in contact with them i'd love to have them on my team